0: What up, what up, ladies hey, and y'all. gentlemen? What's going on? This is Across the Intersection Podcast. This is AJ. I'm in here with E V to the E. <laughs> what's up, you guys? As always, you can check us out on DiveMedia.co. That is DiveMedia.co, and you can get us where podcasts are ingested: uh, mm-hmm. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and the Clouds of Sound. And you can hit us on the socials at this is dive media. That is on all platforms. And I can be reached at DeVenimous D-I-V-E-N-O-M-O-U-S.
1: And for me, uh, E to the V to the that's where I can be reached on Twitter. And right now we're talking about some form of Afrocentricity or some something like that. Oh, and we're also talking about who killed Malcolm X, the uh the the series on netflix so yeah lots going on over there
0: yes i i saw all your all your tweets i don't <laughs> for some, you know i love twitter but i don't think i tweet enough like i was like man i because I, I was watching this thing but by, by that guy gary v and
2: mm-hmm. he was
0: saying how you have to um post like all this stuff like 100 times a day or something crazy if like you're that. trying
1: to make money you know he's the dude who you know he's, well, you he's know. who you go to if you're trying to make cash
0: well, you know, for, for those of you listening, you know you can sponsor me anytime, so maybe I need to start <laughs> tweeting some more. I was just thinking, I was like, man, I, I love to go to Twitter and I love to read, you know, what's trending and see what's popping, and I'll, you know, jump in every once in a while, but I'm like, man, you know what? I don't think I tweet enough. Anyway, and as always, for those of you listening, if you're listening to this on YouTube, go ahead and please hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. We, we We're trying to get our YouTube popping. Uh, If you've been listening, we've been dropping um, some of the past catalog on YouTube over the last week or so. So if you are on YouTube, go to Divinimus Media on YouTube and you can check out some of the previous podcasts. Shout out to MDMD Productions, who's been doing a lot of our animation.
1: Yeah, I have to say, I really, really like the, the new, the last two ones that have the new graphics on and things like that that i I really like the visuals
0: on that one no doubt so if you're on youtube go check us out the media and go to the across the intersection playlist and slowly but surely we are getting the entire back catalog on to the tube anyway so we're going to get it in today um the homie Ace swish is not up you know he's a little under the weather today so he won't be on so prayers up for a sizzle um y'all keep him lifted in your prayers um but we're going to keep it pushing. So, mm-hmm. uh recently, um depending on when you're listening to this, Valentine's Day just passed the other day. And I had a really wild conversation with my kids, um which kind of cool. led What me... what
1: ages again?
0: So, uh my children, I have a teenager now. Uh I'm officially like old old. Yep. <laughs> my uh my oldest is 14. And I have an 11-year-old, and then I have a 5-year-old.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, so we had a conversation, well, with the two oldest, with the 14 and the 11. 5-year-old didn't really care. She was like, I want to go play Super <laughs> Mario. She's like, I want to just go play Super Mario. Can, can I get out of here? So we, we uh, let her skedaddle. But had a conversation with my older two just about love and marriage and the meaning of Valentine's Day and infatuation, it was just like this whole, it just kind of spiraled into this whole deep thing. And I thought, I wonder how many people have these similar views and how much the, you know, sometimes I think we, uh, you know, are a little naive to how much the the culture kind of permeates our thinking. And, sort of can influence us in, in ways that we probably are not aware. You know, I think that's why it's in the book of Jude where Jude would just say, continue to examine yourself. Um, That's important because one day you look up and you may find yourself having these weird beliefs or these weird convictions and you don't know where they came from.
1: Well, at the risk of sounding conspiratorial, I think that's what indoctrination is supposed to do. I don't know if, If programming is doing its job, if you're aware of it on the conscious level, Um, there was a debate. I'm not trying to to sidetrack, but I have to mention this. There was a debate about Marcus Garvey um, that I was privy to recently. And uh, it was interesting because some people said, you know, he did so much good, but then he practiced colorism in terms of his wife. (laughs) And and I, and I thought about it and I said, yeah, a decent number of these civil rights activists were colorist, or, color, or at least their preferences um, could have been influenced by the colorism in this culture, yet they were conscious enough to be civil rights uh, activists. So it just goes to show that when, when a society wants to, or even if it just naturally happens, that they program people or just put out images that you know, they want people to adopt, Even if someone's mind is really proud of heritage and that sort of thing, it seeps in there somewhere. And so the same can be said about your own children. You know, I know my parents, for example, deliberately did not teach my brother and I Ebonics because they said it's going to (laughs) come. It's going to come sooner or later. So they only taught us standard American English. And yes, after a few years, we also learned Ebonics.
0: Is Ebonics something that we have to learn, though? Is that just kind of, you know?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, it's modeled, you know, it depends on what environment you're in. So, you know, whether it's if you're around the folks, it's just
0: like it'll it'll come, you know, I mean, it'll just come. Yeah.
1: And that's the reason that my parents made it like they made it a point to to teach us standard American English and to speak it around the house and to not slip into that because Mm -hmm. they knew that eventually they said there's no point in teaching that or, or even modeling it because the kids are going to get it anyway. I got you. I got you. Oh,
0: okay. Interesting.
1: Same made up, might apply, though, you know, to what you're saying when it comes to notions of love and and, uh, and infatuation, that sort of thing. You feel like even though you, you um, homeschool your kids, they still have been able to kind of grasp some ideas that you didn't even teach them?
0: Yeah. I mean, not even though they are homeschooled, they they do go to a co-op twice a week. So they're mm-hmm. around some other homeschool kids. I mean, you know, things things just happen. Things happen, kids talk and, you know, it is what it is. But it's just even in, in that, which what I would consider a kind of sheltered environment is still like, you know, it's crazy some of the things that that kids, like some of the conclusions that kids can still come to. Like, so I don't even know how the conversation started to be honest with you, but we just kind of got into, so what's the point of Valentine's Day? What's the meaning? And they're like, oh, isn't it about love? And who you love? And I'm like, oh, really? Well, who do you love, right? (laughs) And they're like, oh, you know, and they, they tried to switch in between like and love. I said, well, wait a minute now, like is not the same as love, you know, I may like a good sandwich, right? <laughs> so we have to make sure, you know, I have this thing with my kids where I say, say what you mean and mean what you say. And so y'all are slipping in back and forth between like and love, like they're synonymous and they're not. And so then we kind of get into, so they, all right, well fine, it's, it's love, love it is. Well, I said, okay, love it is, right? And so I told my oldest, I said, well, why don't you go grab your Bible? Yeah, my, my kids have Bibles, y'all. Get your kids their own Bible or Bible app or whatever. So she has it on her tablet. I say, Go go grab your tablet and open up the Bible app and, and let's get it in. So um we me and my kids, we, we dig in the scripts all the time. And so I said, Go turn to first Corinthians. And so we, we get to first Corinthians and I say, All right, now go to chapter thirteen and, 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 and let's chop it up, right? So I want to, you know, let me let let me read for the listeners um first Corinthians 13. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, just the pertinent verses that re- is related to this topic. So
1: you better preach.
0: In First Corinthians 13, if you jump down starting at verse 4, right? Um They're supposed to
1: say verse number 4. Verse see? number 4, excuse Turn me. Turn to verse uh, number 4.
0: Um Shout out to whoever decided at some point to number the verses in the Bible cuz you know at some point they had to say you know we got to put some numbers on this thing. Yeah. Can you imagine like hundreds of years ago trying to read the Bible without like chapters and numbers? Good night. You just had to read everything. You had to just <laughs> you had to just read everything. Anyway, um so 1 Corinthians 13 um Starting at verse 4, it says, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious, love does not brag. I'm reading the New English translation, by the way. Love is not puffed up. Love is not rude. Love is not self-serving. It is not easily angered or resentful. It is not glad about injustice, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. If there are prophecies, they will be set aside. If there are tongues, they will cease. But if there is knowledge, it will be set aside. Um, And then we jumped down to verse 11, where I really wanted them to see this and where Paul wrote, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I even reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I set aside childish ways. So what we did was, and we went back and said, all right, now you guys said Valentine's Day is about love? They're like, yeah. (laughs) I said, well, were you thinking about any of that stuff during Valentine's Day? And and you can see their little minds like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) They're like, no, we were I was like, I know you weren't. You weren't thinking about being patient and being kind and, you know, not being self-serving. You weren't thinking about any of that stuff. What you were thinking about was just, ooh, so-and-so's cute or, you know, I think I like this person. I was like, you were just kind of infatuated. Mm. This had very little to do with true love. And so we got into um, the difference between infatuation and, the, you know, what what love is and, for those of you listening, you might say, listen, AJ, this is really too deep. We just wanted to get some chocolate and some roses on Valentine's Day. But, <laughs> you know, I I would just challenge that thinking to, to to ask, why is it sometimes that we do some of the things that we do? Do we just do it just because this is what's normal or this is what the culture does? Or do we really give these things some thought? You know what I mean?
1: Like, I think we need to be a little bit more deliberate about analyzing it uh, from a more holistic perspective. For example, you have biology and then you have the way that we're being taught. So for people who are lovers of the Bible, a lot of religious traditions say that God gave us infatuation so that we could actually want to procreate, but we're supposed to allow those relationships to be sustained through what 1 Corinthians love uh, is talking about in terms of by by way of practice. And so I think that's interesting. I don't know if it's biblical or if it's correct teaching, but I think one thing about that perspective is that it at least acknowledges biology. And um, biology needs attraction somewhere, right? The two people need to get together in some way And if you talk about being patient and kind and long-suffering and all that, (laughs) you know, we're walking around in the wilderness, you know, in Africa, way pre-colonial Africa. We're not thinking about patient or kind. We're thinking about reproducing. When you look at the male body and you look at the female body, God decided to place almost all of the nerve endings in specific spots. Okay. Yeah. we do have nerve endings on our skin but i'm talking about when we look at percentages specific places the nerves are (laughs) so you know that we are supposed to be reproducing okay i don't see god saying okay i'm gonna put all those nerves there there and there but you need to practice self-control and just until the day you die practice self-control no like there's a demonstration there right so there the attraction on a biological level and maybe even a psychological level has to be there first. But the right. question becomes, once you are attracted, what do you do after that? How does that benefit you and your, and your offspring and your community? And um, so I think that, you know, anybody who ignores the impact of infatuation, which is mental or the impact of sexual attraction, which is partially physical, um, is, is leapfrogging over whatever that part is supposed to mean.
0: No doubt. I, I think, you know, we, there's a, you know, term in the Bible where you see God's will and God's will this and God's will that. And I think a lot of people don't get that part messed up. I think they, um, what is messed up is God's way. Um, I think that there's like a way in which we should execute a lot of these things. Right. And so that's the point that, that we were having this conversation I said, you know, they would say, you know, well, what if I see somebody that's cute and something I similar mm-hmm. along the similar lines that you were talking about? What if I see? Some? And I was like, hey, there's nothing. I was like, praise God. I'm, I'm, I sure hope that that happens. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> you didn't want to have any asexual. Exactly. Kids who would I don't. I don't, I don't want to have grams. other
0: conversations. I don't want to have to have <laughs> <laughs> some other conversations, right? So I'm like, yeah, yeah, but the 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 manner in which that's executed, that's what we, you know, that's what we need to make sure is is up to up to par. So, like. When we look at Valentine's Day, so I, I did a little digging, and NPR actually had a really cool article um, about the dark origins of Valentine's Day. Um, it's it's <laughs> You from mean several, the, the martyrism, yeah. martyrdom or whatever it's called? It's from uh, several years ago, and they interviewed a historian, a gentleman named Noel Lensky. He's an, um, a historian from the University of Colorado. Mm-hmm. And so Mr. Lensky um, so, sort of gives them the background of Valentine's Day. And it's pretty dark um, in the beginning, like uh, probably a lot of things um, when you go back historically. Um, but I'm not going to give everybody a history lesson. Just a really quick overview that there was a Roman ceremony, uh, a Roman, Roman fertility ritual called Lupercalia, where men would like um, hunt and kill animals and hit women with the hides. And <laughs> okay. that was supposed to signify um, women's fertility. And it was pretty wild. So <laughs> <laughs> they they did that for hundreds of years, but then fast forward to the third century AD. Now we all know what happened in the third century AD, right? Our boy you mean Constantine with Constantine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our boy Constantine. So we, we we still focusing on Roman. By the way, just on a side note, it still just baffles my mind how much influence on modern Western culture Roman society still has. Like when you oh, go yeah. back and look at all this stuff, you're like, God, this too. So anyway, third century A.D. We all know about Constantine. So what happens in the third century A.D. is two gentlemen were um, martyred by the name of Valentine. They both had this had the name Valentine on different years.
1: Valentine.
0: Um, on different years. In that I have actually have an uncle named Valentine. By the way, um, it's kind of wild. Um, on two separate years in the third century A.D. Um, two men named Valentine were were martyred, and so what the Catholic Church did was they co-opted that celebration of Lupercalia to remove kind of the the pagan nature of it and turned it into Saint Valentine's Day. All right, um, they wanted to expel kind of the the uh, pagan rituals and the festivals and all that stuff, so they kind of co-opted yeah. that, called it Saint Valentine's Day, and here we are. Right, I'm just, and yeah, that's I, what they really did with overview. Christmas, and you exactly know, and most of the pagan these holidays, other... yeah. yeah, But again, it, for me, I, when I was reading that um, early I was like, "Goodness gracious!" And another pagan Roman <laughs> ritual that was co-opted by the Catholic Church, and here we are, you know, buying heart shaped candies and you know whatever else. Anyway, I just sometimes for me it it's really disappointing, I would say, so to speak, when you talk to believers, because I, I guarantee you, we, you I could have had the same conversation with multiple different groups of people, and it probably would have had the same result, where people just assumed, oh, isn't Bound to Day about love, and blah, 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 <laughs> And you, you, once you drill down, you see, hey, listen, what this was was, it was, uh, pagan pagan rituals that were co-opted by the church which by the way gives people validation all the people that that want to bash the church and all of that every <laughs> time you dig into one of these things and you realize it was a pagan thing that was co-opted by the church and kind of christianized it's just like oh god you give those people more validation to say see 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 all y'all stuff is you know
1: On the other hand, I think that it's, when it comes to co-opting words or repurposing terms, I think that might just be a part of human nature because you have certain societies that really sprang from the seeds of previous societies and it goes all the way back. And when you mention the impact, the outsized uh, impact of Roman society on Europe, which then became Western society, which then impacted the whole world, When I think about things like that as a person who majored in history, I think about Greece because, of course, Roman culture came from Greek culture and Greek culture came from Egyptian culture. Right. And Egyptian culture was impacted by Nubian culture, et cetera. So I wonder how many of those so called pagan rituals really came from Africa.
2: Mm, I don't know if we want to talk about Uh that.
0: But, you know, trying to make some enemies. Shout out uh, exactly. to my conscious brothers if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so um, you know, th- so that's the thing. I, I don't, I don't know that it's it's rare that human beings would co-opt or repurpose things. Just like with the N word, you know, in this country, um, I hate Negus. that we've <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> Nigus. <laughs> so uh, I don't know that um, oh, you man. know that I, I know that I how I feel about that word because I have a, a certain perspective on its origins. And I think it's ridiculous to try to repurpose something that was stammered and shouted when people were being lynched. I think things like that should be, you know, should be left alone. But some people say, no, I want to repurpose it and give it power and and, and add some level of humanity to it and take it out of the hands of those who oppressed us and all this craziness. Well, I'm sorry, all the things that I consider crazy about it. No, you were, <laughs> so, you were right. So yeah, people repurpose words all the time, and I think that uh, what the Catholic Church did over the course of their history in the Roman Empire is just a um, example of that.
0: So let's 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 get down to to the brass taxes, as certain people say. So, as a young woman in the year of our Lord twenty twenty, right? Would you be looking for chocolates and and candies and roses, or would you take the the Pauline approach? <laughs> that that uh, love is patient, love is kind, love is all those things. What would so what would Miss Eva want to do?
1: So I have a confession to make. Oh. When it comes to the five love languages, some of you all have read the book, mm-hmm. and I think it's a really valuable book. Yeah, I have no always said that my love language. One thing that it isn't is it doesn't require the giving of gifts.
0: You hear that, and brothers? How, you
2: hear that? <laughs>
1: However, <laughs> however, um, I received have received gifts recently and I like it. Oh,
2: <laughs> So, it
1: but, but I don't know, since I'm not really materialistic, I don't know if it's because of the actual gift and the quality of it or the, or, or the cost of it or anything like that. Or if it's just, I'm surprised that someone thought enough to, Decide to provide something that tells me that they were thinking about me. No doubt. So, um, so yeah. To answer your question, uh, I'm in between relationships right now, so it doesn't matter. But if I were in one, and he let Valentine's Day go by without,
0: Uh and brother would be in
2: trouble, huh?
1: (laughs) Without any acknowledgement, (laughs) um, I don't. I don't know how I would feel because again, it's a day. February fourteenth is a day of the of the month ultimately and I'm definitely not one of those people that um, celebrates days in that way however it's still a part of the water that we swim in right in this society uh, so yeah it's difficult for me to answer that question because again I'm not in that space at this moment but I at least can confess you can confess it's what you want yeah, I, I mean, would you know, yeah. I would yeah that there would be some reaction <laughs>
0: Because you know for me I kind of struggle I kind of struggle with that because I'm not a very ceremonial kind of person when it comes to yeah. you know big holidays like that was a struggle for me you know especially becoming a father and like okay Christmas and you know hey like I love to give gifts. I'm a I think of myself as a really good gift giver. I think I have a grace to to give gifts. I I consider myself a a really good gift giver. Um, but when it comes to just the whole celebration aspect, I really kind of struggle with that. Um, it's still kind of an area sometimes in my marriage where, because my wife, she loves those things. She loves to celebrate. <laughs> um, and even though she understands the, the meanings of many of these things and how their origins are dark, she'll still just say, but I just love to celebrate. I just love to, you know, be festive. And
2: and mm-hmm. so it's kind of
0: like, ah." you know so so days like valentine's day for me are still kind of like all right well what do i do what do i not do cuz i know she wants to have the 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 whole celebratory aspect of the thing whereas i could take it or leave it um and that and that goes for many many holidays so i try to do it up for her on her like days like mother's day or her birthday but on my days per se i shut down I, I downplay it i mean if she gets me something like whatever you know what i mean it's like i I think, and, and that's even before I became a believer in Christ, I just was not that kind of person. So I think for me, I could take it or leave it. I think some people, I just think that some people will, will look more into these days than what they actually are. And so just wanted to bring some clarity, because again, because the, the culture is so subtle and because it's perverse and it's subtle, things that 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 have a dark nature to it can easily slip in so when the culture says that love is tolerant it's like no love is not tolerant right but that was very subtle and it slips in and now it's part of the vernacular
2: right but
1: love is tolerant i know the type of tolerance you're thinking about but but if we use that word for what it is and don't allow society to repurpose that word exactly then love is tolerant. For example, you're tolerating and hopefully even more so just deciding to to know that there's certain things your wife likes and you're doing them because you love her, you know, not huffing and puffing saying, oh, now she wants a gift. Ah." But you love this woman. You've decided to share your life with her. And as a result, even if she likes to wake up in the morning and drink three cups of coffee followed by one cup of apple juice right that makes no sense at all to you Mm -hmm. but that's what she likes and you want to see her happy and that you know so then you you tolerate that and not just that but you you accommodate it you know because you know it makes her feel special so um so i think that love
0: is tolerant in that respect good and in most respects good good point of of clarity yeah good point of clarity what i meant is more like a tolerant toleration of sin um, that if you love me, you'll allow me to do these things, right? And and I don't mean yeah. So yeah, if it's just like quirks, you know, little quirks in your personality, no, that's that's different. Um, I know I have my own little weird quirks, um, but but when it kind of you know deals with with things that we know God hates, and people will then turn around and say, well, do you love me? I thought you loved me. Then you need to support me or or stand by me or you know whatever. Um, those are the things that we need to be careful. Oh yeah. You know, we need to really be very careful of, um, similarly, you know, like I was using this example with, with my children and I had to be kind of blunt with them to a certain degree. I said, listen, you all are 14 and 11. I said, honestly, your, your love, and this is not, you know, in a derogatory way, it was just speaking the truth. I said, you actually don't have the full mental capacity to actually love someone right now in a in a erotic sense, Eros love, right? In a romantic mm. sense. Are you sure? I'm very sure. Okay. And we even went to, you know, listen, I even took him to the to the biological development of the cerebral cortex. and said, your cortex, you still have another 10 years of brain development. Now, could you have a like for someone? Phileo kind of a love? Of course. Brotherly love and friendship, yes, but that's why I kind of went to the first Corinthians thing. I said, you know, and that last verse, um, that, that last verse where Paul says, you know, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when I became an adult, I put those childish things away. And the my my reasoning for coming to that conclusion, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it too, Eva, is yeah, that there are just ways in which children break down information there are just Mm -hmm. ways in which children break down input there are ways in which children will even break down sexual attraction right different from an adult right so i may see a woman and listen i'll even give you my own personal example right my wife and i we got married i was 26 and she was 25 right So I'm just on the cusp of really, you know, full development at that point if we go by the biological you know, definition of the fully developed um, brain. By the way, it's 25 for those listening. So yeah. I see my wife when we're young adults and I say, you know what, wow. And I said, you know what, I saw some outside of the physical, I also was able to look at some personality trait- traits and see her character. But see those are things that children are probably not going to be thinking about. And I was watching and, and I watched some of the ways in which she interacted with other people and those sort of added to my attraction to her because it was kind of like wow. And from seeing those things it was this this woman has some traits that I could see in a spouse in a in in a wife and so from there i wanted to get to know her further now at 11 years old you're probably not you you see what i'm saying like at at 11 years old your mind is probably not going to go there at that point which it's not supposed to because you're 11 years old
1: yeah but you said eros and i could possibly have the wrong definition in mind about what erotic means but when you said that type of love i was thinking purely physical and i bumped into someone 2 months ago who had a kid at the age of 12? This is a boy, and he impregnated someone when he was 12. Yowza. Um, And the girl, I think, was 13, or you know, around the same age. And you know, there's a long story associated with that. But the point is, um, if eros includes all those other characteristics that you're talking about, which require a certain amount of brain development and intellectual capacity, then I agree with you that your kids do not have that full capacity yet but if eros just means you know primal attraction um in the sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade ninth grade they can have that and i don't know why the human body isn't built in such a way that um that sexual attraction happens after maturity comes i don't know why i've had this discussion with people before (laughs) and everybody has their own opinion but you know i think that something went awry when it came to that but um, you know, because the thing is people people can make all kinds of errors that can impact the rest of their lives and the lives of other people Simply because their sexual attraction comes way before, you know, the frontal lobe is uh, You know, I don't want to say calcified But, you know, is is in, in, in place the way that it should be or fully developed by the time they hit 25 uh, But yeah, so that's the reason that I was giving you that look because I said I don't if if, if eros is really just the primal animal attraction then i mean in elementary school some kids are running around you know with that
0: okay yeah i i can see how you would got i mean eros refers more to and i actually just was looking this up um refers i mean the for those of you who don't know it's a greek term and it, it has to it it refers more to passionate love or romantic love Oh, okay. um, so it's a little bit more. I mean, I would I would agree with you that the physical is a part of it, mm-hmm. um, but I would just think it would be a little bit more if it was more of a romantic um, love. I think that there would be an emotional aspect. There'd be a psychological aspect um, and things of that nature. But I could be wrong. Who, who knows? Um, which is why I would just me personally, I came to the conclusion that I'm I'm not sure if children at that age have the full capacity now yes the the physical part probably yeah if you see a girl i mean i remember when i was in middle school and some girls develop earlier than others and so you ooh boobies you know i mean yeah i was a i was a young stupid boy at at, at one point in time but did i have the capacity to probably show that young girl um a true eros love and eh, probably not You know what I mean? Um,
1: (laughs) Well, I would like for you to respond to that question, though, because I haven't had this discussion with you. And when I think about the fact that physical attraction Mm -hmm. tends to precede the maturity that's needed to responsibly respond to that that attraction 10 years later
0: (laughs) or longer or longer. Right.
1: (laughs) What what reason do you think? God had in constructing bodies that would that would uh, have that attraction uh, way before the the maturity needed for the families that that attraction might create uh, the relationships that would come and the fact that you have to support you know with whether it's monetarily or whatever resources exist within that particular span of human history. Um, you know, you you have to develop the means to support the new family that you like. Why? What? What's going on there? Or what do you think happened there?
0: Wow, that is a deep question. All right,
1: I can bring up a couple of things that others have said okay. just to spark your no, no, thoughts. No, no,
0: no. I, I think I go ahead. I have a couple of thoughts, and um, so mm-hmm. this, this is actually cool. This I didn't think we were going to go in this direction, but this, this is really cool. So, like the the first thing that I thought when you were asking the question is the the scripture in Proverbs where it says do not awaken love before it's time. So it's clear that God understood that there were things in the human body that would probably begin to percolate before you were ready to kind of deal with them. Um, which is why, you know, Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever walk the earth, would say, Hey, don't awaken love before it's time. Well, what is its time, right? It's a really ambiguous um really ambiguous way to kind of word that but i, I mm-hmm. for, for me personally i think that for and for a young person boys or girls cuz usually it's girls before boys just cuz women develop earlier than men do um and it's wild to see that in my kids sometimes you still see it's <laughs> like jesus <laughs> it's a good thing I, I just as an aside i always say God is so gracious to men that he did not make females more physically dominant than he did men, because you guys would just run Forget roughshod. About it. I don't think I don't think the male species would have been able to survive. I don't think I don't think we would have been able to survive. God had to give us something. Let's give these dummies one thing. <laughs> <laughs> just give them let's get let let them have the dense bone structure and the muscle mass, because these women would run roughshod. But anyway. Um I think what it does is it, it gives an opportunity for training. Um, this is where, because for me personally, I've seen my my uh, fatherness, my fatherliness um, kind of really be needed more now than it was earlier in the lives of my children. When, when they were little, it was just kind of like, Dad is there and he's, you know, Dad, open this jar. Dad, can you fix this? Dad, you know, I'm scared. I had a bad dream. But now that my kids are getting older, and these feelings are beginning to arise, I've actually seen my role increase more in the lives of my children, whereas my wife's role is kind of decreasing. It's kind of a really weird shift right now. Like um, the the two older kids are kind of around me a lot more asking these kinds of questions where, you know, my wife still is focused more on the younger one. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think it, it gives the opportunity more for training and instruction and discipline. Because now you have a young person with all of these feelings and thoughts and they are looking for ways to adequately deal with them, right? Mm -hmm. I got all these feelings and I got all these thoughts. How do I deal with them? Well, you are able to train and instruct them. And one of the first things that you can tell them is. Those feelings are, you're supposed to have those feelings. Those, that is actually a good thing. I think that when you, because children are not adequately instructed and trained, this is how they can get into perversion and, yeah. mast- and you know, masturbation and pornography and fornication and homosexuality and, and all these different perverted ways of sexual expression. Because at the onset of sexual desire, no one is there to kind of guide them and kind of show them. And it's really weird conversations, believe me. Having them now, these are like, Jesus, no wonder parents don't want to have these kind of conversations. This crap is it's really uncomfortable. It's really, uh, for, for all of my parents out there with young teens, this crap is, I understand now, this is uncomfortable territory. Um, but what it does is it, it really allows the the children to start off at a place, I think, that would be better than where their parents were, right? So you know, listen, son, so that you don't think of women in such a perverted way, right? When you become 18, 19, 20. You know, I was introduced to pornography when I was like 14 years old. I think I saw my mm-hmm. first porn when I was 13 or 14. Um and so it distorted the way that I saw women, right? Physically, sexually, the whole nine yards. Um I think, you know, having those feelings, having those de- desires when you're young, And having the proper outlet, having the proper people to go to to deal with them, um, I think puts you in a in a much better position. So I would say that's why God would have the sexual or the physical part begin to percolate sooner than the other components, because the other components require more instruction and it requires more training and so it actually will help you to solidify Mm -hmm. I think your relationships with your parents or whomever is mentoring or guiding you in in you know in that stage of life whereas the physical you don't really need much you know it 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 just shows up one day you know for my men one day you wake up with an erection at 12 years old and you're like what the heck is going on well you might have had a wet dream son you know think things happen. Morning wood is a real thing. You know what I mean? Those kinds of things happen and you don't know what to do with yourself. You're like, what the heck is going on? Um,
1: Oh, they know what to do with themselves. And so that goes back (laughs) to the question that, that you brought up earlier. And so, you know um, you know, some people honestly, and some people in the audience would actually disagree about, you know, masturbation being a perversion. Um, You know, the question becomes what, what do you do otherwise when you have, you know, a situation where release needs to happen, but we don't need to get into that on this podcast. I just think that it's interesting that people have different perspectives. Even people who believe in the same Bible have different perspectives (laughs) on what's appropriate and what's not. Um, But one thing I can say is that as a father, you have sown, forgive the expression, but you have sown seed enough so that they're even coming to you. Right. about these things. That's a big deal. you know. I'm sure that you've had discussions with your son about these issues. And it's great that, that as a father, um, you've, you have made deposits or you, you have made deposits of trust throughout their life. You didn't have long stretches of time that you weren't there. They don't have to get to know you uh, afresh and then be able to get comfortable enough to talk about this. Yes, there'll be some awkwardness, But I know with my parents, my father specifically, (laughs) um, like both of them were really into making sure that we had these discussions early on, even before we quote unquote needed them. Um, And just for the parents out there, I was just thinking about this. Uh, Part of the reason this is in my heart and mind right now this morning is that I was on social media and came across early, last night and early this morning, came across this video of a man who was, Very, very emotional because he had just come from his father's daddy daughter breakfast at school and the guy's language and everything. You know, you have to look past all that because this is a street dude. Mm -hmm. okay? Right. As a street dude, you have to look past the way that he uses language enough to see what's really going on. And he was still parked outside of the school communicating that he just realized that he means everything to that little girl. And he was talking about how she was running around the school saying, this is my daddy. This is my daddy. Proud of her father. You know, everybody was rejoicing and celebrating, seeing other fathers there with their kids. These are little elementary school kids who loved their fathers being on campus, having breakfast. The guy kept on saying, this was sausage and and pancakes. But it was so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And he went on for twenty five minutes <laughs> on this video, wow. having you know bouts of emotion and other you know different different perspectives uh, of of his experience, just allowing us in on his growth in that area. He's probably like twenty twenty one. He just got out of jail. Oh wow, you know, I mean, you know, he's a street dude, so you know, he's in his parents in his kid's life. And he he was just marveling at how important and critical he just realized he was to this child. So, to the fathers out there, um, I know that you were saying earlier, AJ, that you know around this season of their lives, they're coming to you, and so that speaks completely against the idea that somebody could be both father and mother. Wow. Mothers are mothers, fathers are fathers. We applaud people, we applaud men who've had to be, quote unquote, mothers and fathers because their wife left or their wife died or whatever the situation is. And we applaud mothers who have had to be both mothers and pa- you know, out of necessity. But <laughs> there's only one mother right. role and there's only one father role. And there's something about, I think that fathers uh, play a really important role to infants. Um, you know, of course, when I think you've probably, I don't know if you practice this, AJ, but, you know, when kids pop out. You know, they they want them to have that skin to skin with the father. So there are some some benefits and a lot of nurturing that needs to take place on that level. But there's something that I don't have the full capacity for that fathers bring to the table that I think you're experiencing right now. There's something about advice and wisdom and validation and pride in, in an upstanding man that shows what responsibility is. There's some feature variable yeah, element that you bring agree with to that. the table.
0: Yeah, there's there's something about this time in their lives that I didn't realize. I hear you about that because, yeah, I remember doing some reading when my kids were infants about how men have to psych, um, have to sociologically develop the bond with the children, whereas women have that bond biologically. So, yeah, that that part I I do get. Um, but, yeah, there's just something about this time in their lives when they're becoming Adolescence and they're sort of moving into adulthood that I honestly just didn't know, um, and so for me it's kind of new territory. Like, whoa, this is this, this is different. I mean, it's it's good, but it is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know one of the things that for me, just as growing in in my father, because I mean, for those of you who know me, know my like this is the time where my dad left. I mean, he was gone when I was a a uh, freshman in high school, my parents split up and I didn't see my dad for like 15 years after that. So, um, f- it's like you're, you're kind of breaking new ground here. Oh, okay, this is what, and you realize, like, mm-hmm. like shout out to my man Jason Wilson, y'all know him from Cave of Adullam in Detroit. One of the things that Jason said years ago when his son would ask him, like, yo dad, why do you do this and why do you do that? Um, and he would just say, son, I'm doing the things that I wanted when I was at your when I was your age, the things yeah. that, that that I longed for as a son, um, those are the things that I make sure to demonstrate with you. And I think and, and I, I've always taken that to heart um just with, with my own children, you know, is what, what what did I want when I was, you know, in eighth and ninth grade um when, that I did not have. And so, you know, I do my best, like I said, to push through those uncomfortable Uh, discussions. And like I said, listen, love and infatuation and romance and sex and dating and marriage, all those things are definitely not one-time conversations. That's the first thing. (laughs) Um, They are definitely things that you got to talk and talk some more, which makes them more uncomfortable, (laughs) right? But you got to continue to talk about them. And um, they're they're vitally important cuz you just don't want like i said even me having these conversations it's still sometimes i like god where did they get this stuff from
2: mm-hmm. so that's why
0: it's so important to have those conversations because you don't you, you you don't realize the culture the culture is not stopping ladies and gentlemen so for those of you listening the culture is not stopping so it's incumbent upon you to and listen it may not be your own children it may be Um, someone you're mentoring it may be close friends right it may be siblings that you can still have these conversations with because the culture is not stopping like there's a there's a young there's a young man that I've been discipling for years I love this brother like he's my own son and a lot of the different things that I'll even share with him I'll say, listen, I understand that you didn't get these things. I didn't get these things. But this is what you need to do as a husband and as a father. You have to make sure that you break ground and instill these things. So it's not always just your biological children. There are many different ways and many different avenues that we can convey these things. And again, we have to be very, very, very intentional because the culture is not stopping. The culture is getting more and more dark and more and more perverse.
1: Speaking of intentional, the people who are in your situation who are currently raising kids who are the age that they themselves were when their parent left really need to be intentional because a couple of different things can happen within you as that little boy that still exists now. One thing can be that you had longings that you expressed. Your mother, and why does he? Why doesn't he love me anymore? And why is he not here? And how come I only hear about him, hear from him on the phone? And you're actually able to express that deep pain, and you might remember that as a grown man, so that when your kids get to that age, you remember emotionally how you felt, and then you know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. However, there are other people who have a different response at that age, so. Their parent leaves and they might initially have that pain, but they may have been taught boys don't cry or or, you know, you don't need a man to little girls or whatever they're taught. And then they might cover that pain up. It might be bitterness that grows around it. um, Anger that grows around it. I had a little bit of Um, that, too. Yeah. Even indifference or even feigned indifference. There are a bunch of things that can grow around that so that by the time that person grows up to the age that they are when their kid becomes 12 or 13 which is when the parents parent had left they don't remember it's hard to access what they went through at that time enough to be able to identify with that kid's needs so this is work <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> and i and i applaud you and any other man or any other woman who had a parent leave either through death or by divorce or whatever the deal is for even doing the work, especially ahead of their kid turning that age to find out what it is within you that uh, that will remind you of how you felt so that you can respond uh, in, uh, differently than, than your own parents.
0: No doubt, no doubt. This is a, going back to our original point, this is that's love, right? So we're talking about St. Mm-hmm. You know, Valentine's Day and all that stuff. Listen, flour and candy and all those things are great. They're wonderful. I I love a good piece of chocolate myself. <laughs> but <laughs> but those things do not denote love, right? And so what we've just been talking about are the the things that, you know, encapsulate what love truly is and it's you know sometimes taking the time to do the things that we don't want to do or kind of coming outside of ourselves right outside of our comfort zone and really making ourselves available to others it's, you know, it's, it's being that selfless individual. Um, So would encourage you, you know go back and take a look at first Corinthians 13. There's a lot of stuff written in there for my people who read the Bible. And for those people who say, listen, I don't rock with the Bible. I don't rock with, 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 uh, you know, scripture. Okay. Well, you know, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm not sure how you come to the conclusions of what you come to of what love really is. But if you don't have a standard, then it will always be a moving target. And that's what the culture plays on. The culture plays on moving targets, because if love is this one year, and it's the next thing the next year, hey, then you can't tell me not to do anything because you don't really have a standard. So Mm. you know that's why we, you know, for those of you who listen, you you notice we go back to the Bible because listen, it is a really excellent way for us to keep a standard in our lives. You know, we are human beings. We are very complex things change our moods may change our emotions may change but you know what doesn't change God does not change he is the same yesterday today and forevermore so for you know when when we are unsure it's a good way for us to go back to a standard say all right well listen let's I had no intentions on having that discussion the other day but my kids were going all around in circles and you know what you guys are (laughs) kind of y'all are all over the place let's go back and look at the bible so we encourage you guys have these tough conversations, you know, with not just your children, with people in your circle who, you know, need to hear it. And uh, it it will be uncomfortable, but I think it will be, you know, for for their benefit. So, listen, we do thank you all for rocking with us. Um, you know, love is a tricky thing because the human heart does not make sense. <laughs> right? the, the, the human heart is completely illogical. Mm. So that's why it is so important To navigate it with wisdom So we do thank y'all For rocking with us So whether it's love Valentine's Day Or even just a piece of chocolate You know we're gonna keep God in the mix So Mm -hmm. for E to the V to the E This is AJ saying peace Peace
2: y'all